Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Today, the doctor interviews Mojo Magazine writer Will Hodgkinson about his exclusive interview with Prince. And now, a man who's funky for no reason, Dr. Funkenberry. Thank you, Ida. What's going on, everyone? This is the Dr. Funk Podcast with your host, Dr. Funkenberry. On this archive edition, we have a really great interview with Will Hodgkinson from Mojo Magazine, right after he interviewed Prince uh, for his albums, Plectrum Electrum and Artificial Age. This one does focus a little bit more on Plectrum Electrum, but the main thing is, it's a really, really great interview with Will, where he talks about a lot of stuff with Prince that did not make it into the Mojo edition. So the only way you can hear what was discussed is in this interview. And I'm really proud of this one, and so much so, other people are proud of it too, to where it may make it onto a live DVD compilation of Third Eye Girl from these hit-and-run UK shows that took place in 2014. So right now, why don't you sit back and enjoy, relax, grab a drink, whatever you want, and enjoy this great interview with Will Hodgkinson talking about his great interview with Prince. Good evening, everyone, or afternoon, or wherever you're at. Welcome to this special edition of Prince Precast UK edition, where we're actually on at a time convenient for the UK. It's nice to see a lot of different people in the room. If you don't know how this show works, uh, it's all right. We want people that are at the shows to put in some camera requests and share your reviews of what you saw to join in with the action and uh, interact with the live chat that's going on. Hello, everyone. Thank you. As you guys have known, for the past several weeks, Prince has taken over the UK, mostly London, and uh, as well as a very special interview with Will Hodgkinson, who is in the room with us right now and will be joining us later on to talk about his exclusive one-on-one interview with Prince and uh, some things that have been discussed in the media and more so in how the interview uh, took place. Um, we're also going to talk about a few news items going on right now. Andrew, or excuse me, Andre, and other people who are at their shows, go ahead and put your camera request in because we'll be getting you on first. Um, don't be nervous. Don't be shy. We're all here together. We'll get everyone through it. Um, as you guys have seen, he took over the UK, did a bunch of shows over there, talked with Bill about the Plectrum Electrum album that will be coming out in the UK at the end of March, and I believe the following day in the US on 4114. So uh, interesting, if you switch those numbers around, it equals in the sevens. So that may have been one of the reasons why um, he chose that specific release date. And I know you guys have been trying to figure out what is Plectrum Electrum and when Plectrum Electrum is going to be released. We're going to be talking more about that with Will, and we thank him for being with us here today. Now, as well as you guys have seen, Prince was at the Brit Awards uh, taking selfies and whatnot. We'll show that clip a little bit later. Um, That was quite interesting. Apparently, from what he said at the shows in Manchester Academy this weekend, that he was wanting to play the Brit Awards, but he couldn't, so he presented instead. And, uh, yes, the Purple Empire. I guess you guys are liking that name maybe a little bit better than the Prince Army. Um, you know, Maureen, thank you. It was my pleasure. 
so you guys can all attend the shows and figure out what's going on. I appreciate the love. appreciate everyone who's here. Now, if there's something that we're forgetting about, um, we will get to it. What I want to do now is I'm going to test out someone's camera to make sure that they're ready. And we're going to bring a person on immediately. Andre, if you're ready, man, give me the thumbs up. Make sure you have your headphones on. I believe you do. Yes, you do. Go ahead and give me the thumbs up if you're ready to come on and we're going to get you in. Here we go. Here is Andre, who was at several of these Friends UK shows. Yeah. Hey, Sam, hopefully you, you can join us as well on camera. Hey, Andre, how yeah, you doing, Yeah, it, it was really good. I'm fine, thank you. Um, nice to talk to you. Is that any good sound, or how does it work? I can't hear you, Andre. If you can uh, check your microphone, make sure it's on. If not, we'll pull you off and oh. get you back on. Check your sound. Should work now. Live. Let's try it again. No. no. All right, Andre, go ahead and uh, try to check with your sound, and we'll get you back on. Yeah. Okay. If anyone else is at the shows, like Sam or anyone else, go ahead and uh, join us. Oh, you guys could hear Andre, and I couldn't. That's not a good thing. Can you? Could you go? Okay. Let me get him back on and see if uh, what's going on. If I can't hear him, though, that's a problem. Uh, let's try it again if I can hear him. Hello? Is there any sound? Hey, Andre. Hi there. Can you hear me? Or? I can't. No. Oh. Okay, I'll let... Let's try another computer. Okay, yeah. how many shows did you attend, Andre? Um, <clears throat> this time around, uh, I would say, well, I don't know, five or seven or something like that. In total, I think it's close to 100. What I'm going to do is, Andre, go ahead and talk about your show experience, uh, interact with people in the room. I'm going to pull myself off camera and see if that'll fix me being able to hear you. Uh, go ahead. What, what was the first show you went to and how was the experience with the lines and everything? Uh, yeah, I think the first show was the um, ballroom, uh, the electric ballroom, and that was uh, quite, um, it was a lot of cues. Um, I think I came there a few hours before. I think I got to number 500, and I think it had a capacity of about 1,400 in total. <clears throat> and uh, But I think there was a lot of problems with the cues, and um, it eventually ended up as a big crowd, so um, I didn't get in to see the first show, but I was just five or ten meters in, in close to the door when they said it was completely full, and uh, so I was a bit disappointed, but then they quickly told us that there was going to be a second show, and uh, so we got in to see that one. <clears throat> and then we got in uh, two hours later, and that was an amazing show. Um, I think they were quite tired um, after the first show and after the trip. Uh, I think Prince mentioned something about jet lag. At one point, it was supposed to close down, uh, but I think the audience was really amazing in there, and they really got them back on, and everyone was cheering and dancing and applauding, and then he came back on, and he did an amazing second phase of the show, um, including the sample set and the piano set and all kind of things. So I think 
the second um, phase of the show was amazing and the audience made it a lot uh, better I think so there was a really good audience <clears throat> at the elective portal right. I think. now before these shows when was the last time that you saw him in concert uh, yeah so most of the uh, European shows except for the Portugal ones uh, 2013 okay. so last year okay so, yeah, so and how did the these compare? Because this and these were uh, the set, these were obviously smaller, right? Yeah, they were much smaller. I mean, the, the band is smaller. Um, they are. I mean, you see how they progress as musicians constantly. I mean, you see, even you see from show to show that they uh, they also tighter and tighter, and they <clears throat> become better and better. For some reason, they just keep pushing the boundaries and what they can do and what they do on stage. Uh, 2013, I mean, there were different setups. There were the MPG, there were the whole horn section, MPG horns in Montreal, for example, two of the shows. Uh, right. So there was a lot of, yeah, yeah, it's a very different band, I think. <clears throat> now, were you able to go to uh, the show that was at the Guardian's uh, headquarters, basically? I'm forgetting the name right now. Uh, was it the Valentine one? Uh, yes. No, I didn't. Valentine's Day. I didn't get to see those, okay. unfortunately. No, I was too busy. But you were in a Shepherd's Bush Empire, correct? Yeah, that was an amazing show. It was a very long show. Okay. And a very good audience and very civilized queuing, I guess. So it's very... Everything went well. And uh, they were serving us something chocolate and tea and coffee and those kind of things. So it was really... Really friendly and really nice crowd, and uh, we had uh, George Clinton in the house as well. So that was uh, right. Plus, and there was a lot of other. No, no. Yeah. So we were sort of hoping maybe he should get on stage, but no. <laughs> but the yeah, fact I that he was in the house was amazing. I mean, it's a Godfather punk, I would say. So. Definitely, you know. And the last show was at Manchester Academy. Were you able to go to one of those? Um, no, unfortunately not. I, uh, there was a lot of confusion. It was sold out, so I missed that one. And then there was mm -hmm. some confusion about if you were, would have bought another ticket, if you would be able to actually get in. Uh, but I think they were. So, yeah, I also missed that one, I guess. <clears throat> right. Oh, those two. Now, I don't, out of the shows that you went to, um, is it hard to pick a favorite or does it all just kind of go together with the experience of just how much that you enjoyed having him there? Um, it's just the fact that they are here and the actually that they do a lot of gigs so a lot of people get access and, and are able to get to see him in different venues. I mean, there's the venues also different. And uh, I think for me, maybe the highlight was the last show I saw this time around, which was the uh, Roger Scott one. There was like the 12 hour queuing experience first, but uh, once you <laughs> persevered, you you were um, very well rewarded, I would say. So it was a very tight uh, venue, very small venue. Um, and once again, I was queuing for, for hours and hours. And then they sort of, yeah, it was five meters from the entrance and then they closed it down. And then they said, okay, there's going to be another one. So. And once you queue 12 hours, they said they tell you that's going to be another show in two hours. You don't really care anymore, so you 
Right. Two hours is nothing at that point. So, but that was amazing, amazing show. Very, very intimate, very relaxed. So I liked the show very much. It was very, very special. Yeah. I think yeah. it was also very, yeah. Very few, there were very few opportunities to get to um, see them playing that, that close in that intimate setting. So the queue, the cold weather, <clears throat> all of that was worth it, correct? Uh, yeah, it was definitely worth it. Um, once you get inside and start playing, you forget about everything. All the queuing, all the cold, rain, whatever, it doesn't matter. Because you sort of, you get so sort of energized right. once you get in, I think. So. Right. Um. If if you guys are saying Andre is frozen, he was just saying that the queue and everything was worth it to go through the shows. Now you probably with uh, Manchester, you kind of were hoping there'd be more of a queue than tickets going on sale because it seems like you had more luck with the queue than with the ticket sales, correct? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, initially it was all about queuing, and then they, uh, I think they decided they should release ticket as well. But I mean, I think the ticket scalpers uh, bought most of them quite quickly as well. So that was very unfortunate in that sense. But the mm -hmm. idea is good. I think they sort of miss the MPG Music Club in that sense, but, uh, <clears throat> where tickets was okay. able to be released. Um, yeah. But I think the ones who got there, they were really, really happy. I mean, I haven't heard anyone who hasn't told me a lot about it, especially the last show uh, in Manchester. It was, I mean, it was over three hours, I think. And they also did the, the yeah. additional songs. As sometimes it snows in April and cool, I think, for the first time in the UK. <clears throat> right. Well, what was... Lastly, before I let you go, and Chris, we're going to bring you on next. Um, <clears throat> what was one of your uh, favorite moments of it? Is it, or is it just too hard to choose uh, one from these shows? I mean, you talk about sometimes it snows in April. Is there anything else that you played that just sounds out to you? Um, it's. I think it's very hard, hard to pick. I mean, the Orange Scott experience was very. Um, I liked it because it was very relaxed and it was very intimate and very sort of calm and very and it was quite uh, relatively late I guess as well but it was really I liked the setting and the club and the atmosphere a lot at that one right. I also enjoyed very much the cook I think the first one I was standing up the uh, balcony somewhere and you could really the sound was really really good uh, up on the balcony and mm -hmm. you can also saw everything and all the cues and how they interact on stage, which is great. I think it's very fascinating to see how I mean how quickly they can turn and change and read the signs. It's very, very, very fascinating to see. And lastly, before we let you go, I know there's at least one person in this room, probably a few more, that's kind of jealous of the T-shirt that you're wearing right now. You just a little uh, look at that because uh, people are upset that there's no merchandise on the U.S. tour or other stuff or on the websites. You're wearing something that's kind of a rarity for the U.S. fans and other ones, the Third Eye Girl shirt you're wearing right now. Oh. Yeah, this one, the Third Eye Girl t-shirt. See. Okay. All right. Well, Andre, thank you so much for joining us, man. I appreciate you sharing your experience. 
Alright. Yeah, thank you for having me. Nice talking. Have a good one. Yes. Alright. There was Andre. Uh, before we bring Will on, we're, we're getting more people talking about the show beforehand. Right now, we want to bring on Christopher Carrier. Christopher, if you're ready, go ahead and give me the thumbs up now. I'll go ahead and put you on camera. Okay, we're going to have a little bit of a delay here, it seems. Uh, here is Christopher with his big rocking headphones. How's it going, man? What shows were you able to attend? Um, I was at the two shows at the Coco. Um, and then I was at um, Ronnie Scott's. And then uh, both Manchester shows. And how were those shows? And how was the queuing and everything going on? How were the shows? The shows themselves, um, collectively, just the most amazing experiences of my life. Um, how can put it any other way? I've been to a few other gigs in the past, friends, um, over the years, and quite frankly, what I experienced in the last week totally blew everything out of the way. And I feel like a different person now. Like I've gone through a liminal sort of metamorphosis, and I've come out the other side something quite different. Now I'm going through a massive sort of print binge, you know, like I was 15. It's cool. Right. Now, was this your first time, like, seeing the Third Eye Girl band play with him? Live, yeah. Okay. And how, how was this to you? I mean, you said the show was good. Was there any particular thing that stood out to you about Third Eye Girl? Um, yeah, they've got a lot of charisma. Um, Prince obviously seems more like Hannah as, as a poor woman, um, probably for obvious reasons. Um, she got a cute butt, um, and she obviously has a good personality, so she likes to use that. Um, I like the interaction between himself and Donna, like, you know. Um, Dishing out the guitar solos and stuff, I and mean, I'd like to see Prince play more, obviously. But Donna is just absolutely incredible, I and mean, probably the best female soloist I've ever seen. Um, she blew me away. One thing that I really was disappointed with um, was the lack of Edith playing. Um, I think she should be given more of the limelight. Um, I mean, maybe there's a confidence thing there, or maybe. Right, so if it was up to you, Ida would have been a little bit more in the front with the bass, had a few more chances to solo. Yeah, it would have just been nice to see, you know, to just spread out a little bit more. Okay. Other than that, like, um, what do you think of the sampler set? Ah, uh, I actually I got a little card of things that I wrote down here, um, and that was one of. Them. Go for it. Um, well, it was kind of, it was one of the worst parts of the gig for me that I saw, and also one of the best. Like, I'm a little bit in two minds. It's kind of like, for the for the casual fans, obviously. Probably for them, it's be the best part of the show. For a diehard, hardcore, obsessive like me, it's kind of like, yeah, next, you know, because 
the songs are great, they're timeless, we all love them, but we've been listening to them, you know, all our lives, like 10 billion times. I would have loved to have seen the band play the song with different arrangements, um, like you did with, um, you know, something in the water, and just mixed it up a little bit, but played it. It had been more organic, it had been more surprising, I think we could have valued it more. Um, that's not to say it didn't sound good. I mean, the sound that obviously sounds amazing, but it's a little bit, hey, this is Prince karaoke time, and you're just a bit like, oh, really? There were a couple of bits where they brought the band in, and obviously, either, I think it was like When Doves Cry and Sign of the Times, where a lot of space comes in and Donna plays guitar at the Sign of the Times as well. But it just didn't feel collective enough. You know, it could have been, I think it just could have done more of it. But I think for what it is, everybody has a dance things together, casual fans get involved, it was great, but for me, I could have done without it. Right. Now, were you able, at these shows, were you able to hear uh, Prince's version of the unexpected uh, Liv Warfield title track for a new album? Yeah, I really liked it, actually. Um, I only heard it twice, I think, at the beginning of both Manchester gigs. Um, by the second time, I was kind of you know, sort of this pumping, pretending that I knew the words. It was, I, I can't remember any of it. I've got a really, really bad memory. It's awful. So uh, I kind of already kind of forgotten what it sounds like. But I loved it. And it was only when I think someone else told me that it was, I think, his version of The Unexpected or something. It was like, oh, wow. You know, I hope it's, yeah. So I hope it gets released. I hope get to get hold of it. But yeah, it's great. Can't wait for it. For more. And that was with vocals, correct? That was with vocals. Okay, just want to make sure on that. Now, um, was there <laughs> any? Uh, was there anything? Jazz uh, just reminding me that my my name's Chris. Sorry, thank you. Yes, <laughs> that's a good thing. You know your name. Now, was there anything before that you last day that you took away from these shows, like on your? Prince list okay. of the shows that you've seen. Where where does where does this rank on the shows of Prince that you've seen with the third with Third Eye Girl compared to all the others? Uh, um. Well, uh, well, the whole the whole week really. I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of trying to compute it and kind of sort of categorize all in my head and sort of defragment and put it back together because it's a bit like someone's attacked a Lego house at the moment and there's bits everywhere. And, but um, the things that really stand out for me, because I was right at the front of one of Scott's. Sorry. Um, and that for me was like, it was almost like a life-changing event. Just walking into Ronnie Scott's and seeing it was like, I don't know, it was like a, it was almost like a brothel in a way. It was just like a sort of a blue light illuminated stage. And, and then I suddenly realized that the microphone stand was like eight feet away. I was, I was just thinking, no, this can't be right. There's no way he's going to stand there. Um, and then he sort of came out, and I sort of, I sort of went through a different dimension, and I, I couldn't speak anymore. And you know, my brain turned into a fruit machine, and you know, you sort of pull on the handle, and all that comes up are like you know, vowels and grunts and whatever comes up. You know, it just kind of came out. You know, I, uh, I kind of turned into a small child. It was surreal, and right. you know. And I'll take that away with me. I mean, you know, if when you know, if I 
get Alzheimer's or something when I'm older. One thing I'm going to keep saying to people is, I was at Ronnie Scott. I was at Ronnie Scott. You know, so it was, that was pretty incredible. And being right at the front for the first uh, Manchester team. I mean, that as well, being like right under his face again. I mean, Ronnie Scott's, as an overall experience, is probably the most um, poignant, memorable experience for me. But as a concert experience, the first Manchester League, because I was right at the front, I know everybody will say that the second show was better in terms of set list, and I agree. I didn't have so much fun, though, because my feet were agonizingly painful. The second one, I could barely dance, but the first show was incredible. And, um, yeah, but it was all fun. It was more fun. There was more interaction with the audience than us down at the front, and, you know, you played the songs you want to hear, and I had my friends with me, so... Yeah, it was that was just incredible. Everything was incredible, you know. I mean, I've seen. I was at Twenty One Nights. I even I was young enough to be at an Act Two tour show when I was really young, and um, Hot Farm uh, a couple of years ago. And all this this week was just completely fallen out of the water, you know. I think it's the best thing we've done for a long time, anyway. So. And I'm just I'm picking up for Troy Dewey tonight, by the way. I've got Troy's shirt on. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Any, any excuse to plug Troy's work? Um, sure, and I'll be on his Instagram later today. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. I, I appreciate you giving your input. Enjoyed you on the show. Hope you come back. Regardless of the time situation, same with Andre. Thank you guys both for being on. Much love, man. Take care. Thank you. And apparently Sam caught uh, his pal at one of the shows. We want to thank Chris and Andre for being on. John, I sent you a message. I'll be checking that later. And other people that were at the show, uh, the shows, excuse me, we will be having you on later. Right now, we want to bring on a person that uh, just interviewed Prince for Mojo Magazine. Uh, there was a special edition of the magazine limited to 1,000 copies that is already sold out. So now the only versions you can get right now are on the newsstands if they still have that overseas in the u.s uh not so much in the u.s will be coming out in a couple weeks but right now it is on stands we're bringing real will hodgkinson who was able to interview prince for mojo for these shows that's going on right now we're going to bring will on and as cody is saying he's one of the few people who may actually know what plectrum electrum is will how are you doing man thank you so much for joining us today that's okay. Thank you for having me. I'm good. How are you? Doing good. You Just adjusting your volume. I can oh. hear you fine. How can you hear me? Yeah, I can, you're, you're right there. I can hear you. I did. Now, we're going we're gonna to talk about a few things from the interview, but how did it even happen? I know that it wasn't when he was here in the UK. Apparently, you went to, a, to the place in Islands. How did the interview come about? Okay, well, as you can imagine, it was a very long-winded and complex process. I got a phone call from Mojo magazine, uh, this would have been early December, saying, can you interview Prince? Yes, of course I can. Where do you want me to go? Um, it's going to be tomorrow. Right, okay, well, I've got two young children, but it's Prince, and there will be a way. So, okay, fine, it's going to be tomorrow in Minneapolis, great, very exciting. Tomorrow came and went, and there was no sign of an interview. Um, and each day there'd be another message saying, get ready, it's going to happen very, very soon. Um, and this kept happening, and then it was getting closer and closer to Christmas, 
and it got to the point where I think it was about December the 23rd and I thought okay I know he's a Jehovah's Witness and they don't celebrate Christmas but I'm not and you know there's going to have to be a point where I'm going to have to say no. Um, anyway Christmas came and went which is great, spent it with my family and then on January the 1st I got a message to say okay it's happening, it's happening in the Caribbean um, on January the 4th. So got on a plane, went to the Caribbean, um, and it was a very, very long journey, as you can imagine, uh, about 12 hours. And uh, the moment I, I turned my phone on when, I was, uh, when I'd arrived, uh, there's a message saying, he wants to speak to you now. Well, this was at midnight, and uh, I'd been on a plane for a long time. I thought, oh, my Lord, this is going to be really difficult, but okay. Anyway, that message obviously came while I was in the air, because then there's another message saying, he doesn't want to speak to you now. Go to bed. Fine. Went to bed, went to the hotel. Next morning, uh, there's a message saying, get ready, uh, the, a car's going to come and pick you up at midday. So at four o'clock in the afternoon, a car did come, and uh, it took me off to this very, very beautiful place. Uh, it looked like a kind of cross between a, a Bond villain's mansion and a, and a, a sort of health spa. Anyway, so I'm sitting there, uh, meet his manager, not exactly his manager, this guy called Trevor who's doing a lot of work with him. Um, he's kind of his right-hand man. Anyway, Trevor comes along, really nice guy, young guy, and uh, says, um, okay, come, you know, come into this, we'll go to this room, which is like this kind of very, very sort of pretty pavilion. Um, and uh, then Third Eye Girl arrive, and I chat with them, we have lunch, they're really nice, really friendly, very, very excited. They um, are talking about how the whole thing happened, which is all in the, in the piece. Um, and uh, so then I say, uh, okay, so I'm, I'm going to speak to Prince now. And, and uh, then um, Trevor says, no, not right now. Maybe you should just go back to the hotel for a bit and we'll tell you when we're ready. So, <laughs> okay, fine. I'm in his house, aren't I? But anyway, so I, you know, I go back. At midnight, another car arrives, I get there, go back into this room, and then about one in the morning, Prince arrives. He's wearing a white turban, white caftan, white flares, white boots. He looks amazing. Uh, he, he comes up and says something like, had you had a nice chat with the girls? And uh, anyway, we then chat for about two hours. Um, he plays the whole, whole of Plectrum Electrum. And we talk a bit in between the songs. And I should say at this point that, as you probably know, when you do a Prince interview, you're not allowed to tape it in the way that you normally would an interview, interview but you're also not allowed right. to make notes. So you've got to remember. Now, I don't know about you, but remembering in the presence of Prince, two hours of conversation is not the easiest thing in the world. So as soon as it was over, I uh, basically typed it up on the computer that I'm seeing you through now. Um, and just kind of, you know, typed up as quickly as possible. And then the next day he, he luckily answered, I, I, there were a few things which I, I knew he talked about, but, uh, you know, I didn't know, and, you know, misquoted massively. Uh, and there was a few things he cleared up on email. So, uh, so then I had the interview. And then the second part of the interview was actually in Leanne Le Havre's flat in London, which you probably heard about, this uh, press conference, which is yeah. just between, it was three people there, there was, uh, there's me, a guy from um, the BBC, 
and a woman from uh, Associated Press who then sold it. You know, you, you, that uh, what she did was what was used in all the papers. So that was uh, yeah, that was my Prince interview. Now, something that has been kind of um, been picked up on the press, and they're kind of I have I was not able to read the full interview yet, okay. but the press picked on a comment that he made, and I'm going to go through it real quick with you. Sure. I want to get it fully correct um, before I read it. I'm sorry, I had it, everything spread out, and sometimes it's something that The Guardian picked up on. Okay. And I just want to see how this came about. I'm going to read a full quote about it. Um, I'm talking about the music business, him criticizing it, Prince. Um, quote, him saying this, it's box office. I can't have something like The Great Gatsby on my hands. Uh, didn't you know that black people don't get a second chance? It's like Chris Rock said, Leonardo DiCaprio can make one bad movie after another, and he just keeps going. Chris Rock makes a bad movie, and he doesn't work again. Black people aren't allowed to make mistakes, referring to the entertainment industry and the music business. What caused that uh, conversation to take place with okay. him bringing that up? So that would have been near the end of the near the end of the evening. This must have been about two or three in the morning. Okay. He had probably at that point played quite a lot of the album, and something that that I didn't say that much on in the piece um, was that a lot of the time he really was. He's saying, "Well, what, what do you think? What do you think of this album?" And I say, "You know, no, I thought it was absolutely great. I mean, I'm saying it's organic." It's, um, it's, you know, so, so much of it's recorded live. It's got this great Led Zeppelin meets Funkadelic meets Prince feel. Um, you know, it's an exciting album and it's, it sounds, I mean, the closest would be, it's more towards Purple Rain, but it's, thus, it's not on that scale, if you know what I mean. It's more, you know, you basically got a, a small band doing this. So he's asking me all this and, right. and, um, and he's saying, well, you know, how can I have a hit? And I was saying, well, you know, I don't know how he could have a hit. Um, but um, he, but you know, he was he was saying, well, the thing is, it's not just it's not just about being good. It's about it's about box office too. And then that's when that led to that. Now I should point out right. when he said, um, you know, black people aren't allowed to make mistakes. He said it with a smile on his face. So I'm not saying he didn't mean it. But there's also a way that right. Prince has, which is a kind of. Um, you know, he's got that kind of sideways glance thing, which is, is a kind of, you know, he's, he's very, very funny. And there's something that maybe doesn't always come across on stage or in interviews, but he's got a very kind of, he's got a, he's got a certain style and a wit about him. And so when he said that, I feel he definitely meant it, you know, and he, you know, he, it was from the heart. But it was also, it wasn't said with bitterness. You see what I mean? You know, it wasn't said in a kind of angry way. He was saying... You know, this is the reality. Black people can't make mistakes. You know, you see what I mean. Right. So that was the kind of that was the tone. It's interesting because I remember Snoop Dogg in the '90s. Uh, he was talking about MC Hammer's success, and that it's not that Hammer started to suck. It's because he got too big to where his own people tore him down. Uh, the reason I bring that up is just that it's been technically. 20 years now, this year, around this time, since Prince has had a hit. And that was with his own promotion. 
Warner is allowing him to release The Most Beautiful Girl in the World with uh, separately on his own independently and had a huge major hit with it. Now, when he was back with Warner's and he released The Gold Experience years after it was current, and other things that he's had with distribution deals, he hasn't been able to have hits. Um, and when it comes to Chris Rock, Chris Rock is one of the funniest men alive. Acting, it hurts. And that's it, is he wants another chance at it. And what Chris sure. has done, because he hasn't had chances, he's made his own films. Um, it would probably be more so to Chris to kind of maybe compare Cuba Gooding Jr., who won an Oscar for Jerry Maguire, and then he released two stinkers of a movie, and he hasn't been heard of since. Here is this guy with a promising career, young, black, talented, Boys in the Hood success, Jerry Maguire, and now has done nothing. So I can understand where he's coming from, and America generally likes to give people second chances. But I was talking with someone earlier. I'm like, okay, what about when it, what about black people? What about was Sly in the Family Stone or Sly himself when he got off the drugs and doing stuff? You get an interview with Nelson George where he's on this Find the Funk special and he's incoherent. Nelson George shouldn't have put him on in that state. Uh, just things like that, like from your own experience. And I think that's why he's smiling. Is there's there's truth to it. And the thing is, is us being of the lighter persuasion, it's hard for us to maybe relate to it, but is there anything that I'm saying or anyone that you can remember that has been a black artist maybe overseas that was given a second chance? Even Mark Morrison, who had a huge hit with Return of the Mac, but he had a lot of troubles, and uh, he was never able to make it in the U.S. Just bringing that up over because he was a black artist as well. Is there any other black artist that over there may have gotten a second chance that had run-ins with the law, how no Gallagher does? <laughs> and still be able to be the success that he is. I think there's definitely an element, uh, an element of it. I mean, I, I, I'd have to rack my brains. But um, something I would say is that Prince is, you know, he's sharp enough to know what's going on. And I feel that he kind of took a look at the Wild West, you know, and he predated things that are happening now. He got out of the major label system long before the major label system was in trouble. Now, I feel that with, with all the London gigs, um, and don't forget that he did a whole bunch of uh, similar guerrilla gigs in the States. I mean, I saw him at South by Southwest, and it was announced at the very last minute, and it was in a small place. Um, he, it seems to me that he's creating so much interest. I mean, beyond this community, you know, I mean, it has been dominating the British press. These, these gigs. And, you know, you're talking about gigs in front of 500, 1,000 people. So, you know, that's a very, very small percentage of people who are get, getting to see it. So I kind of feel that right. second chance or not, I, I think this could be it. And I also think he knows that Plectrum Electrum is a good album. You know, he's not putting it in front of a newspaper. I think he knows that this is a good album. And I think he's going to, and it's got that, because it's got that analog organic, um, you know, kind of funky rock and roll feel. I think we're going to be seeing it on vinyl. You know, I think he's going to give it a lot of love in that way. I think, and I, I kind of feel there could be a hit. I mean, there's one song in particular called White Caps, which is a very, very beautiful song. Um, it sounded a little bit to me, it's kind of got a Crosby, Stills and Nash vibe in a weird way. It sounds like, I don't know if you know Crosby, Stills and Nash song, um, 
called uh, wooden ships. But uh, sorry, white caps oh. is the is the print song. Um, but it's kind of got that. If you imagine that mixed with a touch of Miles Davis or something, but it's it's got a fantastic. It's it's got that melodic thing that you heard on um, around the world in a day, you know. And so I think it. I could I could see that being a hit. So who knows? I mean, Prince is, you know, when when, when he says Prince, you know, black people don't get second chances. I mean, Prince, his career. Let's not forget, you know, if you're talking mid seventies onwards. You know, I mean, you're talking about someone who's reinvented himself so many times and had so many incredible uh, musical periods and yet still remained himself the whole time. So I don't see why that there can't be hits. I mean, I could see it happening. But, um, you know, it's sort of, you know, who knows what makes a hit ultimately. Right. We have a good question uh, from Cody right here. Yeah. Um, since a lot of people haven't heard the album. Yeah, I uh, haven't listened to the CD. Is he lead Vox on most or all of the songs? Um, yeah, he's basically playing the lead, um, and Donna is doing is essentially in the rhythm rhythm guitar. There's a lot of there's a lot of guitar on the album. It's 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 a it's a guitar based album. You know that's really where he's at at the moment, and I'm sure that everyone who's seen him in London will agree that you know some of the highlights has been has been the guitar playing. He's been taking off and you know playing absolutely brilliantly. Um, there's there's a lot of guitar, but there's also there are the slower songs. I mean, there's been a, there's also something that's been picked up on here in in England, is that um, this song Tic Tac Toe was inspired by the Cocteau Twins, you know, the dream pop uh -huh. uh, pioneers, which is not something you imagine Prince or you associate Prince with is the, is the Cocteau Twins, but that's a very um, meditative, dreamlike song, you know kind of spirit you know very much the spiritual prince coming out there so you have that on one side and then you've got this kind of very funky rock um very very heavily guitar led thing and i think also in the mojo piece i've got a feeling i might have made a mistake and that is that i said wow and this is partly from you know two hours of, of sort of being in the presence of the master and being totally freaked out and remembering it all um uh wow i remembered as an instrumental an instrumental version of the Liv Warfield song. Um, but it's been pointed out to me by someone that it's not, that the wow is, uh, you know, it, it's actually, uh, you know, it's, it's not an instrumental version. But um, right. to, we'll have to wait and see. To defend you on that, you know, that may have been what it was at the time, and then he changed it. I'm going to allow you to escape in that because yeah. I, I heard plectrum electrum a little bit of it in july and i know since then it's changed so what i heard may not be on the album and he didn't tell me track uh tracks of it either so okay. since you've listened to it he may have changed it so these people getting on that he uh will heard an instrumental version of it and that's what was going to be on the album what we're hearing now was played over the pa at the shows and what most likely will be on Plectrum Electrum is Prince's full version with vocals. That, yeah, you that know? makes so. That's, yeah, that makes complete yeah, sense. Go with it, man. Um, I yes, oh. exactly. I, I I'm glad you said that. Um, and I and I, let's go with that. I think also, you know, he he played with this this album. I mean, this was we're talking about the beginning of January. We know how much he changes. You know, he changes his mind and how how things go up right up to the last minute. So what I heard. It, I mean, he told me that it's going to be out in March. 
Now, I'm not convinced. We are, we're around the corner from March now. I mean, that's not to say that it won't happen. Right. But, you know, mm. what I'm saying is that what Prince says at one point is not the gospel because he does everything is, you know, the whole thing is about spontaneity and doing things in the moment. And I think through that, he finds his inspiration. That was something that kept coming up in the conversation. Um, and that was, and also I think it'd be interesting, you know, the London concerts, the venues mentioned uh, were not necessarily the venues played. So, for example, right. um, one of the venues mentioned, and I would have loved to have seen this, but unfortunately it proved impossible, was the Victorian Albert Museum in London, which is one of our great August institutions, you know, this Victorian museum. Uh -huh. um, unfortunately, I think the health and safety was kind of you know, out of control on that one. The other one that was mooted was the Tate Gallery, where Craftwork played last year. Um, and this was a problem with decibel levels. Um, they wanted to do it, but uh, Prince and Third Eye Girl are just too loud, and all the paintings are going to start collapsing, and you know, uh, modern art would uh, be destroyed. So they couldn't do that. But <laughs> that was one of them. But I think there's going to be more. Right. You know, I think uh, you know, I think there's going to be more. There's going to be more gigs. Personally, you heard it from Will. You know, well, you know. at Manchester. That we don't know until he says it because it's gospel. We heard it from uh, the Manchester show that he needs to complete the album, but he will be coming back. We'll see when that'll happen. But Will thinks that there'll be more shows. Now, um, something that was brought up in conversation, I guess, about Minnesota being cold. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was about. Uh, uh, he was talking about money. He was saying. Um, he was saying my bills come regularly, uh, and so I need my checks to do che checks to come in too. Uh, Minneapolis is cold, haven't you heard? Which is again, I think that's uh, you know, that's uh, said with a kind of uh, you know, it's like flashing eyes and a wry 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 smile. So uh, yeah, that was that was about um, about getting paid basically. I mean, the, hey. you, know, you know, which we all need to do. I I mean the the London gigs. Well, let's work out the maths. You know, if you're charging, even if you're charging 70 pounds, I mean, the early ones are 10 pounds. That's not going to cover it. You know, when you've got, uh, if you're, you're going to make 20,000 pounds, 30,000 pounds, that's not going to cover the costs. This is, you know, at the moment, this is the money-making venture. This is all, uh, you know, they're having fun. He's getting the word out. Um, but he certainly wants Plectrum Electrum to do well. You know, I mean, I think this is what it's all building up to. Of course. It just, all right, because I got this when talking when talking with them. It feels like there's some importance to this album that I guess I'm just not understanding. I mean, because Prince can create music so easily. It comes so easily to him. It just seemed, when he's talking about this album, that he wants it to do really well. And that's why I think he was taking more time putting it together, doing the analog process. Yeah. Did you get that feeling when you were talking with him that, this album have more importance than than maybe some of his other projects have. I absolutely Did you got get that, that feeling? feeling very strongly. Okay. I got that feeling very very strongly. I think that you know we all know Prince is incredibly prolific. What he likes doing is doing these thirty six hour jams, you know, and recording it and just wow. keep and just getting this stuff. He he likes playing. He likes jamming and he likes playing with good musicians and then he likes playing again ping pong. That's what he does, and maybe making a pancake at the end of it. But, um, you know, essentially he'd be happiest, you know, playing with really, really good musicians forever. 
you know, I think that's essentially what he enjoys doing. But he, you know, he wants to craft a, a great album. Now, I think he has. Um, I think he know. I think he knows how good it is. Um, and hmm. there's a quote a long time ago. I mean, you know, Prince often says this. He's, he's been saying it in, in concerts for a long time. You know, we're real musicians. Now, what he means there isn't necessarily. He's he's kind of had criticism for this. You know, he's not saying. Um, it's, you know, you're not a real musician if you've got a keyboard. He's talking about the process of being in that moment, working incredibly hard, putting your hours in, and wanting to do something special. You know, and what he talked about also is getting beyond what he called the feedback loop, which he means the kind of general trends. He's talking about going deep. You know, he's talking about deep spiritual music. Right. That's what. That's where his heart is. Now, I think he's he's aware that he's done something really good. He played me the album, and I felt there's a touch of... I mean, there's a lot of nerves on my part, because I was sitting in the room with Prince, which is very surreal, but um, I think, to an extent, there was nerves on his part, because he was playing it to a stranger for the first time, um, someone you know he'd never met before, and there I was listening to it and kind of you know offering up my comments. Um, he... I think he definitely... It's, it's this thing that he knows it's good, and he, I, I remember a quote he said a very, very long time ago, not to me, but in, in an interview I read, he said, you, can you imagine how frustrating it is to have people who are number one who can't sing or play, you know, and you're, and you're watching that. And, and I think he's feeling now, you know, okay, I've done, this, I've done this album, it's solid, I've got really, really top musicians, but the girls are great, they look great, you know, I put the I put the hours in and I've honed it down and I've edited it and I've edited it and I've worked out how this is a proper album, not just a bunch of tracks, but an album, two sides of vinyl, you know, um, and you know, let's hope that it works. You know, I think that was definitely. I mean, at one point I kind of I thought that he might be getting me mixed up with his publicity guy because he started going, "How can I get on Jules Holland?" I was like, "You don't need my help to get on Jules Holland," you know, so. He was, but I think it was very much, he was, you know, he's, he's, the other thing about the, these concerts, he's testing the waters. You know, something he said is we're a new band. You know, when we were asking him, why are you charging, why are you going to do these little concerts and charge 10 pounds? He said, well, we're a new band. You know, it's like a, you know, right. you, you wouldn't charge, you know, a new band doesn't charge a hundred pounds for a show. You know, <laughs> so there's that too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, right. I think in, I, you know, in this age of, I remember asking him, can the album survive? And he said, sure it can, and it will, if people like Esperanza Spalding, Laura Mavula, um, uh, Leanne Le Havis have got anything to do with it. You know, um, Janelle Monet, Liv Warfield. You know, so he was saying, as long as there's great talent out there, the album can survive. So I think he, he's, he's still got a, a, a fealty and affection for the album format. And that's, that's essentially, you know, he's made this really good album, and now he's thinking, Okay, I want to get it out there. How can it be a hit? Right. Now, if any of Jules Holland's people are watching this, uh, maybe he is having trouble getting on, because I, I know in July he brought up how much of a fan he is of the Jules Holland show. Uh, same with Jimmy Fallon in America. He really likes the Jules Holland show. He's like, it's just a fun show. He wants to be a part of it. So with that not happening and him saying it, for some reason, hey, let's get him on Jules Holland. That's where he wants to be. Um, 
Now, is there some things that we, you know, you touched base on a little bit of the interview and a lot of the interview, more so than what we've been able to read who in the States have not gotten yet. Is there something that, uh, that may have been printed that you kind of want to elaborate more on that you've been thinking about in the past day that it's been out? Is there anything more that you want to elaborate on? I'm glad you brought up the thing about um, uh, when he says uh, black people don't get second chances. I would point out that he said that with this, with a kind of suave way of saying it, if you know what I mean. You know, so, um, and with a certain wry sense of humour. I think that's important. Um, I'm trying to think what else there was. Um, what else was there? <laughs> I have to have to read the interview uh, again. I've been going through it so many times. Um, that's I mean, great. Yeah, I mean, generally, I'd say, I'd say I get the feeling that Prince was in a, he's in a good place musically. Mm -hmm. um, I think psychologically, spiritually, I felt that he was a, I mean, the other thing I'd like to say, actually, is my impression of him, because I've noticed there's been a few mentions on, on the, timeline down the side he was very very polite mm -hmm. he was very um he speaks he's very articulate he speaks calmly he's not allowed he's, he's not loud um and he's he's kind of poised so you know he's sort of you know I, i'd be aware while i was listening to this album and i'd be sitting on a sofa while listening to it with these huge speakers on either side of me I'd be aware of this presence floating somewhere in the corner of my vision, you know, just kind of watching me. And he, he's, a, he's kind of in person, I guess he's a sort of, you know, as you'd imagine on stage, you know, just a very, there's a certain elegance about him. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, there's a kind of elegance in the way I, fe I felt. There's an elegance in the way he sort of held himself. And he wasn't, he was extremely pleasant. I mean, there was no... Difficulty, and the other thing I should set, point out that there wasn't a big entourage or anything like that. There was, there was, um, you know, it was essentially me, him, and the girls, and this other woman in the room who, uh, this phenomenally beautiful woman who, uh, I never found out what her name was, but um, that was basically it. And Trevor, the the young guy, who's uh, kind of his de facto manager. Right. I think I know who the person is, but I don't want to put her on blast if she doesn't yeah, want to be I on think, blast. But yeah, I think she's um, a very nice person. Yeah, she seemed. I'm, I'm sure she was. She she was she was just uh, very quiet throughout. She was she was just yeah his companion, so to speak. So um, yeah, I mean he was extremely generous. Friend, we're just gonna say we're gonna say friend because then we're gonna have people on Twitter. Oh, companion, we're just gonna say friend just to play it safe. Yeah, there was no, there was no, there's no insinuation of anything. This is, this is just a, a right. person, a person in the, in Absolutely. the room. Yeah. Um, right. So the point, the, the point I'd like to make was the, there was a sense of generosity. I mean, when you do an interview as a, as a journalist, generally you get, you know, half an hour in a hotel room, an hour in a hotel room. You don't necessarily right. get flown, flown out to the Caribbean. Um, you spend two or three hours with the person, they give you lunch, you know, I mean, I was treated very well. Um, and it was, you know, as long as there wasn't any question, there wasn't like a load of 
things that I wasn't allowed to talk about or anything like that. It wasn't that kind of situation. It was agreed mm. that I wasn't going to be able to tape it and I wasn't going to take notes. And on that situation, once that was established, he couldn't have been nicer. Um, right. He was. A, he was. A, he, he elaborated on things. Um, I mean, it's all in the interview. You know, he's. He was um, very, very thoughtful. Um, he was uh, communicative. You know, he had a lot to say. And uh, yeah, it was. It was an amazing experience. I mean, it was. You know, it was. It was. As a journalist, I couldn't really have asked for much more. Now. I, I saw you answer this question on um, Twitter, but since it's being asked in the room, they're wanting to know, because it was played on the U.S. Uh, portion of the tour last year, the song The Breakdown. They're wanting to know if it's on the album. I know that you kind of said you weren't sure. Now coming back to it, uh, was Breakdown on the album or you're still not sure? Breakdown. I don't uh, remember Breakdown, but like I said... What I heard might change. Um, right. No, Funk and Rolls on the album, Plectrum Electrum, Wow, mm -hmm. um, Tic Tac Toe, yeah, White uh -huh. Caps. I don't remember Breakdown, but that's not to say that it's not there. Right, because it could change just like with Wow Guys. It being instrumental, it's now going to have vocals on it. It could change. I or really Breakdown think... could have a totally different title. Yeah, Go exactly. Ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm just saying. I, I remember. You know, I'm thinking because I was quite surprised when I got a message saying that Wow wasn't an, wasn't an instrumental. Um, uh -huh. I'm pretty sure the version I heard was. I'm fair. I, you know, it's, it, now I think about it, I just remember listening to this kind of blistering, real sort of Led Zepp, but with kind of a lot of funkadelic thing in there, and, and uh, you know, I don't remember any vocals. So yeah, what, what it became, I think, was was different, which means. As we know, that I think I heard. I think you know. Essentially, I heard the album, but it could change. Uh -huh. Absolutely. To the last minute with Prince, you never know what's going to be on it until you're getting that digital copy or you have the copy in your hands. You yeah. just don't know. No, that's so. exactly true. I mean, there's something else I want to point out actually, because I think it's a really important yes. point that he made. Um, there's controversy recently where there's where he's saying there's an article saying, oh, he he uh, he's going to sue his fans. He points out, he says, nobody sues their fans. That's the wrong way of putting it. He said, what happened was that, uh, you know, he said that the, the situation was resolved. Now, he was talking about bootleggers, and he used the example. He said, I've got, we all know about the vault. He said, you know, what you, when you hear a bootleg, as far as he is concerned, he's saying, what you're hearing is something that the artist hasn't finished and isn't yet ready to put out. So that's... That's a point he made a couple of times. And he said, you know, for example, with Leanne Le Havis, this, this uh, young singer who he's, he's a fan of, he said, I've got a, lot, a whole load of recordings by Leanne Le Havis that, that wasn't released, that haven't been released yet, but I wouldn't put them out there, you know, because that would be disrespectful to her. And that was generally his attitude. He said, it's cool that people share music. He said, that's great. Fan sharing music's fantastic, you know. It's a different thing. He's talking about people just making money out of, unreleased recordings. Now, I respect that, you know, and I think that that's a, you know, I think if you work incredibly hard on your art, you've got a right to be able to put out the version that you want people to hear. Because the rest of it is like, a, a, you know, it's like as a writer, you do all kinds of drafts and, you know, they go into the waste, waste paper basket. 
you know, you don't want someone then, you know, sort of rifling through them and pulling them out and, and printing them. And I think it's the same with music. I think it, it's fair enough, really, that um, the Prince is, you know, saying, well, listen, this is, you know, the albums that, that, that get out there, there's a reason for that. Right. Uh, Jan had an interesting question right here that's on the side. With no taping of the interview, is there something uh, you did want to be put in the magazine but did not remember the exact quote at the time? <laughs> there probably is. Um, I mean, I I remember feeling I can't. It's difficult for me to answer that because probably that means that I forgot it. So um, I remember the feeling the moment he walked out of the room. So I should point out that he walked out of the room before I did, um, and then he then he went off. And so then I was I was uh, thinking, okay, the moment he he walked out of the room, I started typing um, because I was terrified of forgetting it. And for the first for the first few minutes, I thought, I can't remember anything. I don't remember a thing of what this guy has just been talking about for the last two two hours. I've just been to be Prince and I can't remember anything. The weird thing is, is that when I started typing, it all came back to me, uh, or a lot of it did. Um, I'd say probably the things, I mean, what I would have liked to have got in the interview, and if I'd, you know, if I had taped it, it might, you know, probably would have been in there, is that he's got a kind of way of talking which is hard to replicate, and it can only be done when you when you get get it accurately. You know, he's got a like I said before, he can be very very funny, very witty, and he goes into this kind of real sort of uh, you know kind of like a sort of American swagger thing sometimes. Um, and it was you know I remember I remember us all laughing at some some of the things he said, and wishing that I'd caught them. You know, and thinking what was that? So there's elements of that. I mean. You know, but you see it when you, when he's on stage. I mean, so for example, at um, after after the interview in the in East London, he did this sound check, which you probably heard of, in front of about fifty people at the Electric Ballroom, um, and it was a sound check, but it was a concert basically, and it was fantastic. And he did a version of uh, Wild Cherries play that funky music, which he he does quite a lot, and then he told everyone to to sing back at him, and so they all went play that funky music, white boy, and he went, who are you calling white? You know, it's things like that, little little jokes like that, which was sort of throughout the interview, and they're just just off the cuff and funny and and uh, you know quite charming really. And so those those are the things that were um, I, that we. I'll tell you one other thing actually. When we did the press conference in Leanne Le Havre's house, which is just a small, uh, you know, it's a very very normal house in East London. There's three of us. We were so freaked out by sitting there, and Prince was in front of us, a few inches away, with a cup of tea. Um, you know, and there's like a, a bouncer outside behind the recycling bin, next to the recycling bin, and you know, the, the you know the the front door. We were so freaked out that he said he had to ask us to talk. So we were just sitting there, and he went, "Well, has anyone got any questions?" And <laughs> eventually, somebody said something, but we were we were all just sitting there going, um, "Prince is there." It was just too weird. So eventually, and then, and then once we got going, we was fine. You know, we chatted away for for quite a while. But he was, he right. was, he was really, he was really open. You know, and for someone with a with a um, reputation for saying very little, I think when he's relaxed and when he feels that you know you're not gonna, you know, you're not you're not gonna be a nightmare, or you're not gonna be difficult. Then I felt that he was, um, you know, he he's he's willing to talk, and he he sort of treats you. It just treats you as another person, you know. It was it was great. Right. 
That's cool. Yeah, because someone was just asking, like, what kind of mood do you think he was in during the interview? So that's good you did that. Uh, okay. Someone was asking a question. Um, have you had any feedback about your write-up of the interview uh, from him or his people? No, and I take that as a good thing because I think I might have heard right. something if um, if there were problems. Absolutely. I mean, you know, as a, as a journalist, you write for the readers. You know, that's that's who, who you're writing for. Uh -huh. so, you, so you're not always going to please the artist. On the other hand, you want to be fair. You want to be... Um, uh, representative um, and you want to capture the moment and, and if you are enthusiastic you want to capture that enthusiasm so I think it's fine you know I think I think I, I haven't had any um, uh, certainly they have certainly haven't been any rich through the door or anything like that right. but wait and see I think another, it's okay <laughs> and another question that we had uh, from John the other one was from Bev uh, this one they want to know how Plectrum was played. Plectrum Electrum was played for you, CD, vinyl, or another format. And the reason they're asking is that they want to know if you have any confirmation what format it's going to be released in. Okay, so the the answer to the first question is it was just on a computer, um, I believe, through a through a sort of very flash system. Um, the answer to the second question is I kept I asked. Um, Prince's people, or his his uh, you know his kind of right hand man guy, I said um, you know I'd really like to hear this on vinyl, and he's going oh yeah yeah definitely it'll be on vinyl. I asked the same question to Prince when we did the second interview in East London. He said I don't know I can't think about that right now. All I'm thinking about at the moment is is the single and these concerts. Now I kind of think <laughs> it should be on vinyl. I mean you know if uh, it's the message that. You know, I would like to see it on vinyl. I feel it feels like a really, you know, it feels like a great album. You know, with a sort of side one and side two. So that's all I can say. I haven't got any more information than than anyone else. Yeah, I just, um, I guess the reason they asked that is just they feel that the vinyl and other stuff, as you probably agree with that, it would fit the notion of it being recorded live on analog exactly. gear, that it would sound just much better on vinyl. It really would. It really would. It's got that. It's got that warmth, you know. It's got that kind of. Um, if you, you know, if you put this album on a great, you know, a, a good stereo, you know, put, put the vinyl down, you know, put the put the needle on the record, you know, then just stare at the uh, sleeve and go into a trance, and you know, your life is complete. Right. Now, uh, Jim had a good question. He wanted to know if uh, uh, does Prince sing falsetto very much on the album? Say that again. Sorry, I missed that. Does uh, Prince sing in his falsetto voice very much on the album? No, not that much. No. It's okay. more, there's quite a lot of vocals from the girls, I think from Hannah Ford, the drummer. There's also, I mean, there's, you know, Prince is all over the album, obviously. It's his album, I mean, but his, his vocals are all over the album. But um, uh, I don't rem remember so much falsetto. It's more that kind of fix your life up style. Um, it's that you know. It's more that kind of thing. And the ballads, I seem to remember a sort of lower lower register. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay. Now, I appreciate your time with everything. So I, I hope I'm not keeping you from anything. We didn't really discuss how long. Well, the only other thing is I've got, to, um, I've, I've got to go and eat supper with my kids in a minute, so... Uh... Right.
So uh, yeah, that's where I'm about to let you go. Okay. Was there any was there anything in closing that you uh, wanted to add to it that you may have discussed that you hope Prince does or um, talked about what he's going to do for the future? Yeah, I'd like to see. Um, these concerts have been cool. It's been great to to do. Um, you know, it's been great to see him at the Electric Ballroom and and uh, Ronnie's and these tiny little little gigs. Um, but when I went to the O2 uh, back in 2007, I think it was, I mean, that really was, you know, I went to a couple of those nights and one of them in particular, I just remember being absolutely fantastic. Now I'd like to hear Third Eye Girl in a, in a you know, in a bigger venue. I'd like to hear them in the equivalent of, um, you know, our Royal Albert Hall or New York's Madison Square Gardens or somewhere like that. Because that sound could fill the space very, very well. And also, there's something, I, you know, something I would like to say is that Prince, you know, the whole thing of the real musicians is quite important because what Prince is talking about is that when he plays live, he plays live. You know, if you go and see a lot of big bands, it's kind of, it's what they call boxed in. So the, so the you know, the guitar might set off a, um, a delay which connects to the lights and all this kind of stuff. You know, um, right. the Stones don't do that and Prince doesn't do that. So, you know, when you go and see Prince, and, you know, especially he's been, you know, up close and personal in these little gigs, you've just felt the power of real live music and really good musicians. You know, three fantastic musicians on stage can fill a space. They can fill a space in front of 500 people. They can fill a space in front of, you know, 20,000 people. So that's what I'd like to see. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if before the year is out, we do see it. Hopefully we will. All right, Will, thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to have the Mojo issue in my hands. Thank you again for everything. Thank you so much, anyway, and uh, take care. Goodbye. We'll be in touch, Will. Thank you so much. Thank you. Guys right there, you can follow uh, Will on Twitter. He's going to be interviewing uh, some pretty cool people tomorrow. Right now, um, what was talked about in the issue uh, was the Led Zeppelin feel to the album. Now, how does someone from Led Zeppelin feel about Prince? Uh, here is an interview with Robert Plant, done somewhere in the early 90s, talking about Prince. It's a pretty cool clip. Although the interviewer is saying, oh yeah, after every time he said something sexual, uh, that was kind of weird. But Robert Plant, another part of that interview that kind of got picked up from VH1's 100 Greatest Artists of All Time, uh, on their list in the early 2000s, Prince was ranked at number seven. And actually, on that list, he was uh, the greatest solo artist still alive, so be technically number one. Robert Plant in the interview said, "I'll never be what Prince is. He's an absolute genius." So it's very interesting. Uh, the Led Zeppelin's material, stuff like Cashmere and all this stuff, um, that's still relevant today. That's what Plectrum Electrum is being compared to, which is kind of cool, and that's kind of missing from what things are going on. And um, what we'll talk about with Plectrum Electrum, this album seems really important to Prince and that is probably why it's been taking so long for it to come out, is that there's just something about this record that he wants it to be appreciated more so instead of just putting it out there immediately. Like say stuff like Ruby Potential, which is a demo, and there is a longer version that has been played at the shows, but that is not on Plectrum Electrum, at least as of right now, that can all change. Um, 
I want to I want to thank Will for his time. I do want to bring on some other people that have been waiting, uh, like John. John has an interesting microphone in front of him. If you can see anybody and you're ready to come on camera for a little bit, go ahead and give me the thumbs up and I'm going to get you on. All right, here we go. John, how you doing, man? I know that you weren't at the shows, but how are you, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. Can you hear me? And where are you coming to us from? I can hear you loud and clear. Where are you coming okay. to us from? Uh, I'm from The Hague in uh, Holland. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, Jules Holland, but Holland. Nonetheless. No, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, stand correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, uh, now, what have you been thinking about everything that's going on without you being able to be at the shows and everything? What do you think of Third Eye Girl and the Pretzel Body Logic and all this stuff that's been coming out? Mm, well, I think it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting uh, stuff, um, especially because, um, well, what, what you see as a red line going through all these uh, reviews and people who've been there, um, that, that Prince is really stepping uh, more out of the limelight, so to speak, uh, more than he has ever done uh, as compared to, well, uh, most people make the reference, of course, uh, uh, to when well, mo mostly what I read, um, they made a they made a comparison to uh, Wendy and Lisa, who uh, were one of the few people uh, who would who would get get an even share on stage as far as going with solos and leads for for some particular songs. But now with this new band, I think it's very interesting to see that, um, for instance. Um, uh, his, new, his new guitarist Donna is, is is more or less uh, even. I think I, I read that, that she's playing leads for for even for Purple Rain sometimes or for, for really you know big big songs which he normally would would take the lead in. That he well yeah he just um, he just seems very relaxed and open to to give every, everyone a a spot um, more than he did in the, the recent future, I think, and that's that's very compelling. And I really feel he is he really uh, is at home with this uh, with his new band. Yeah. So I'm very anxious to hear the whole album. And also, probably to see them live in Holland would probably be icing on the cake as well, correct? Yeah, right. Because well, I've seen him numerous times, and I'm I was very uh, eager to hear what his next. Uh, stop uh, would be possibly in this hit and run tour but as far as i know he's already uh, flown back to uh, uh to america for um i don't know what but probably i hope to get uh, all things uh, geared up for for the album uh, released but uh yeah of course yep. i would really uh, really love to see the new band uh, live uh, live in front of me mm -hmm. right well, where he is, we don't know. I guess that's why they have the hashtag Friends Watch for that right now. They may yeah. think he's in the States, but he may not be. Mm. <laughs> don't have anything that's all inside I'll say about that. that we don't know. As soon as I know, y'all will know. But, um, hey, sometimes rumors of where he's going to be are not such a bad thing. And to let that go, and to let yeah. that happen. Uh, mm -hmm. You know. So I'm all for it. If it's a good rumor, we're all we're all about it. If it's yeah. a stupid rumor, we're not going to go on it. Speaking of stupid yeah. rumors, just to clear up real quick, John, yeah, uh, not recording, not recording with Adele, mm. not oh, dating yeah. anyone. Oh yeah, I read that too. Yeah, that was the only not news. Not dating anyone who's 
just 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 to you see know last name yeah sorry yeah not recording with Adele not dating anyone with the last name of Lila uh, I read a stupid article on the uh, I read a stupid article on the uh, website of 3FM that's the that's like the leading um, public well, station uh, here and you they, sure did they, yeah and they yeah. they they brought sure up news about Adele that she was only there to talk to Prince and just really uh, she actually right. by 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 by, uh, by this uh, this clip uh, this news clip said that uh, Adele uh, just went over there to talk to Prince and didn't even see the show which I think is crazy but yeah yeah that's more that's you more sure didn't see that on a drfunkenberry.com that's for no, sure no no that's that's true <laughs> we're we're, we're trying to give you facts on there, albeit I should have maybe posted something because I knew the Adele thing wasn't true. That's just not how no. he does things. I'm sure that he's got a deep appreciation for Adele. We're going to leave it at that. Mm -hmm. um, John, is there anything that you want to say before leaving, before I cut you off? Mm, well, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I, I've seen your um, spreecast numerous times. Uh, and I think it's very, uh, yeah, they're very insightful and very uh, newsworthy, especially now with the, uh, with um, sorry, I forgot his name, um, with the, with the, the interview Will. you had on Will, yeah, Will, and I also yes. asked him some questions uh, through Twitter uh, to which he responded. So you know, it's it's, it's really nice to uh, to be able to uh, get more uh, details. Uh, either from him or now from you and uh, all the other people uh, joining in. But uh, yeah, I just want to say, uh, let's gear up and uh, I hope we can uh, we can finally listen to a platform election uh, within, uh, I hope, well, I think it's slated for March, I think, it was the last rumor I heard, end of March. Will doesn't even know, we don't know right now, that's all it is, is a rumor at the end of March for you guys, April for America, but only off by a few hours. Like the end of March, but if that happens, we'll see. So, okay, well, anyhow, I, uh, I really, I'm really looking forward, and uh, I hope the rest, I think the rest of here uh, on Spreecast is as well. So, let's uh, let's let's get our th let's get ourselves ready for some real uh, funk and roll. Okay, all right, well, John, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we'll talk uh, with you soon, hopefully, we'll see you as well. Okay, all right, cheers, all right, bye bye. Okay. So here we go. Speaking of appearances, people were talking about stuff. Here is, unfortunately not with him walking out with that cool walk and the instruments. Here is a Prince and Third Eye Girl at the Brit Awards. No selfies. Okay. I just say one thing. The LA Goulding, anything can happen. We're going to tie this in to Prince being on New Girl. The song that Nick and Jess first hooked up to was Anything Can Happen by Ellie Goulding. And we know that Prince is a fan of the show. It just found it. It was very interesting how it tied in. He's presenting the award. He's got a connection to New Girl. That was their song, Anything Can Happen by Ellie Goulding, Nick and Jess. So you got that going on for it. Um, when anything happens, when anything breaks about Prince, uh, my Twitter feed will be all over it, of course, on my website. Any shows, wherever he's going to be, Paris, L.A., Minneapolis, Holland, your bedroom, we're going to have it there for you. On um, right in the drfunkandmary.com site over there. Of course, as we have the little thing to the side of the site, you know, 
Your donation helps bring the phone faster. I am independently owned and creatively grown. Anything that you can always donate is always appreciated. Um, <clears throat> we just want to fit everything in, uh, jam with it. I appreciate um, the different audience we had for the UK. I did tell you that we're going to try to do shows like this when, when it happens. Obviously, I know my time of it being 7 p.m. for me is 3 a.m. for you guys. Uh, sometimes it just has to be later on than what it is. And um, we're about to end the show. You can watch, Dino, you can watch this show at any time. It'll be on the archives. I'm going to have it on the website. Anything that you go. Um, <laughs> it's about 12 during the afternoon, and I probably do need um, some rest. But we'll get into that. I want to thank you guys for being part of this show and everything that's been going on. You guys in London and UK rock. It's been nice uh, corresponding with you guys on Twitter and making sure you guys know about the shows, Prince Watch UK, other things going on there, the Prince Army, the Purple Empire, whatever we're going to be calling you guys. Um, thank you for everything. We want you to go crazy, and hopefully uh, there'll be more shows going on. Right now we're going to have you in with Let's Go Crazy with these two questions. Much love to Troy, much love to Prince, much love to Third Eye Girl. And the last question that I leave you with while this plays is, what is Plectrum Electrum? Keep it funky, y'all.